Kids, practicing what we preach. Have you ever heard that phrase? You haven't? You need to practice what you preach. You haven't heard that phrase? What, what, Tyler, have you heard that pra- phrase, practice what you preach? Oh, <laughs> you said that with some vengeance. <laughs> that was beautiful. What do you think it means, Nariah, to practice what you preach? Hmm? No idea, Noel, do you have any idea what it means? Practice, do what you say. I think I've heard this ad recently that says Ben Franklin once said, well done is better than well said. I I guess Ben Franklin said that. But what basically practicing what you preach means living in such a way that confirms that what you say you believe is true. Right? Living in such a way that confirms what you say you believe is true. We say we need to be kind and loving to one another, right? We, we preach that to ourselves a lot around here. We need to be kind and loving. Since Jesus loved us, that's what he would want, right? So um, you tell one group of friends that you're with. I'm still borderlining feedback. If it, maybe just cut me out of the monitor. Um, so you tell one group of friends, hey, we need to be kind to the new girl because she's new and we want to make her feel welcome, right? And so and, and we need to love her and make her feel welcome. But then when you're with another uh, group of friends, it's like, um, can you believe her clothes? Can you believe she'd wear that stuff? Ooh, it's so ugly. I'd never wear that stuff. Doesn't she realize how ugly that looks? And then you go along with them. So you told one group of friends, we need to be kind to the new girl. And the other group of friends, you're like talking behind her back and being mean and, and, and calling her clothes ugly. Is that practicing what you preach? No, right? I thought you said we needed to be kind and loving. The problem is none of us really practice what we preach, all the time at least. All of us have things that we claim to believe and ways that we know we're supposed to live, but if we're honest with ourselves, we know we don't always live that way. And worse yet, we look down on others who don't practice what they preach, right? And we call them liars, or another word is hypocrite. And, and we're quick to call other people hypocrites for not practicing what they preach, but we don't much like that label applied to ourselves. Well, Paul, in our text for this morning, Romans 2, 12 to 29, Paul is talking to all of us, really Christians and non-Christians alike, but especially Christians, because... All of us have trouble practicing what we preach. But the difference is, and Paul's going to point this out, the difference is, as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit living in our hearts to help us live what we say we believe. Because Jesus died on the cross, we are different. We have new hearts. We've been forgiven, and we aren't ruled by sin anymore. But in order to help us live up to God's holiness, we desperately need his spirit to keep on showing us the ways we don't practice what we preach and the ways that we continue to live contrary to God's will. He shows us the Holy Spirit in our hearts, shows us the ways we fail, and helps us to live lives that really show we believe Jesus is true and that Jesus 
makes a difference in our lives. So, listen carefully as I read the text. Hearing the text read is the most important part of the sermon because that is the word of God. Hear, listen carefully as I read the text and then as I help explain the text to the adults and see if you don't hear Paul telling us you can practice what you preach when you're a Christian. You will practice what you preach because the Spirit is working in your heart. Okay? Cool? All right. This is God's word. It's not my word. It's not New Philadelphia Presbyterian Church's word. It's not even the Apostle Paul's word, although he wrote the letter. But it's God's word. God is the one who inspired him to write these words. Romans 12. What Romans 2, 12 to 29. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. That's pretty sad. All who have sinned without the law, those that have never heard of God's word, all those who have sinned without the law, they've sinned. They will perish without the law. And all those who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they're a law to themselves. Remember we talked about this principle of general revelation that all mankind know about God and that he deserves to be worshipped. Right? But we suppress that truth. But there are some Gentiles who still occasionally do good works and, and live good lives. And, and so that shows that some of, part of God's law is written uh, in, in nature, part of God's law is revealed, and part of God's law for Christians is written on their hearts. But when Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they're a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them on that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and, and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind and a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law embodiment of the knowledge of, of truth. He's using the Jewish people's words against them. This, is, this was their self-concept. You then who teach others, that you, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? Evidently, temple robbing was a pretty big problem in the near Middle East at that time. And, and Paul's saying, you don't believe that these idols are true, and yet you're going to profit off them by stealing <laughs> idols from Gentile temples and selling them, or profiting off of idols. You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision 
the covenant sign and seal in the Old Testament, circumcision is indeed of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, then your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is uncircumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have the written code and circumcision but break the law. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. Such a one's praise is not from man, but from God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your Holy Spirit enlightens this word to us so that we can even have faith to begin with. Thank you that we accept this as word from you by your spirit. Father, please give me your very words for this congregation um, and protect them from anything that I say that might be an error. I pray that you would get me out of the way so folks see Jesus and gaze on his beauty and the beauty of the gospel. Cleanse my lips that my mouth might declare your praise. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we, like I said, move into the rest of Romans where he focuses so much on the righteousness from God revealed for the sake of his name, we need to make sure we've got a good grasp of the bad news, which we started to deal with last week. That's what Paul's doing in our text for this morning. He, he won't let us move on until we get it. So Paul himself is delving deeper into the mess that we all are. Here in Romans 12, 2, uh, 2, 12 to 29. Last week, we looked at the universal human condition. All mankind since the fall, all mankind since the fall, fail to worship and honor God, even though creation itself reveals to mankind that there is a God, totally separate from creation, that he is eternal, all-powerful and good, and deserves to be worshipped. Remember, we read this verse. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. God has used nature to show himself to all mankind, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. And consequently, God's wrath against sin is revealed which is actually part of a revelation of his righteousness. Not only is there actual punishment, they got kicked out of Eden, they got destroyed in a flood, his own people got exiled, that's punishment, but there's also just a downward spiral into the yuckiness that was that list that we read last week. A downward spiral basically into Sodom and Gomorrah. How bad they got? Mankind shares that in common. We just get that bad. Uh, we spiral into idolatry, making idols, making gods out of created things, sexual perversion, and then every other vice that Paul includes in the last few verses of chapter 1, this list that we talked about. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. 
They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit. Sounds like this morning's paper. I don't get the paper, but the headlines in the news this morning. Strife, deceit, maliciousness. Uh, they're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. And we maintained that all of us, by nature, are on this list. Working hard to get off of it with, by his grace, but by nature, we're all on this list. So I, I put some charts together, and I think there were some back there if anyone wants uh, uh, a hard copy of the chart. Or did you all get them? You all got them? All right. So all mankind, this is our general condition. Failure to worship God as, as revealed by nature. We create idols out of created things, and that causes us to spiral into ever-increasing sin, damaging and marring God's image in us, all mankind, so that none of us can actually judge others because we do, we're on the list. Maybe not all the list, right? You, you're probably not guilty of all the things on this yucky list, but you're on the list somewhere if you're honest, which is why he says in chapter 2, verse 1, who are you, O man, that judge someone else? Because you do the very same thing. But not only is God's wrath revealed, poured out, so is his kindness. That is meant to lead us to repentance. And we saw that last week in chapter 2, verse 4. So God called Abraham and his descendants by his grace to be in relationship with him by Hesed, and he gave them his law to help show them his holiness and kindness. And God gave them the ceremony on sacrificial system to identify them as being in relationship with him and guide them into paths of righteousness. So after God called Abraham and his descendants into relationship, we basically, the mankind is divided into two groups, Gentiles and Jews. God had revealed himself special revelation to the Jewish people. Gentiles still had to just rely on natural <laughs> revelation. But the same thing applies to this group, the Gentiles, the non-Jewish world, failure to worship God as, as revealed by nature, creating idols out of created things, and then a spiral into ever-increasing sin, damaging and marring the image of God in us. And then we have Jews. The first three are the same. <laughs> Jewish people, uh, by nature, Failure to worship God is revealed by nature. Created idols of created things. Spiral into ever-increasing sin and damaging and marring God's image in them. Then God reveals his kindness and hesed grace to them. But we still see failure to repent of real sins. And we see them taking pride in their identity as Jews, in the external things that made them different than Gentiles. That's what they were taking pride in. And judging Gentiles for their sins, their Gentileness, and they failed to be a light to the Gentiles, which was why God told Abraham he called him. So, by the time we get to the time of Christ, by Paul's time, after God ultimately revealed his grace, both in, in Scripture to the Jewish people, but then in the person of his son, 
we kind of have four subsets of people. <laughs> you have Gentiles, non-Jewish people, Jewish people, but then you also have Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. Jewish Christians, by nature, Jewish Christians fail to worship God as God revealed by nature, create idols out of created things, spiral into ever-increasing sin. This is by nature, revelation of God's kindness and hesed grace in the law, and then later in Jesus. But, and, and Jewish Christians have the law written in their hearts, but still fail to repent of sins, real sins, pride in their identity as Jews, the externals, judging Gentiles for their sin, and failure to be a light to the Gentiles. Then uh, they continue to boast in their identity as Jews, even Jewish Christians. They continue to boast in their identity as Jews, continue to be self-righteous, judge Gentiles and Gentile Christians for their Gentileness and sin, and failure to repent of such judgmentalness. Failure to live lives of holiness empowered by the Spirit. But then you have Gentile Christians. By nature, all of the above still apply. But Gentile Christians accept Jesus' sacrifice and have the law written on their hearts. But then you know what happened? Even Gentile Christians develop their own brand of self-righteousness. Right? That's where the whole weak and strong thing comes from in Romans chapter 14. Right? Uh, the, the Gentile Christians took pride in the fact that they didn't have to be like the Jews. <laughs> Isn't it insidious? I, I don't have to be circumcised and obey the dietary lives. I'm free. They started developing their own externals. I'm a Christian. Relished and not a, I'm a Gentile Christian. And they relished and boasted in that freedom, failing to repent of such judgmentalness and pride, and failure to live lives of holiness empowered by the Spirit. So, those four subsets. But what do you notice about those four subsets of mankind? What do you notice? A lot of the same. By nature, identical. A lot of the same things on the list. A lot of overlap. We're really not all that different by, from each other by nature. In fact, as Jewish and Gentile Christians, the only difference in us is we have received and trusted God's kindness in Jesus and the sacrifice of atonement that he is. We have believed that our true righteousness only comes from Jesus and his finished work. But then does that lead to a lifestyle of repentance and faith? Does it lead to the obedience of faith? an ongoing lifestyle of repenting and believing the gospel and pursuing a life of holiness that accords with the heart of God's law. Do we practice what we preach? And that's kind of the bad news that Paul's summarizing here again. We still don't practice what we preach. He's trying to show is that we all are hopeless without Jesus, and the answer is not the externals of religion, but a righteousness from God that comes from a personal relationship with Jesus. And that goes for all of us. Externals were never enough. External religion is not enough, was never enough. 
the ceremonial aspects of the Old Testament law were not enough, nor are the religious things we do today. Let's look back at verse 17. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure yourself are a guide to the blind and a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having it, see, hear the arrogance, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, then you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You preach against stealing. Do you steal? You say don't commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? You dishonor God by breaking the law, even though you boast in the law as your identity. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. For circumcision, the external things, they, they are of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. Do you see what he's doing here to them? He's, he's using their own words against them to show them that they don't practice what they preach and they don't, the, the externals aren't helping them any. The fact that they're circumcised on the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin, as Paul said, is not helping them any. Not only can we never keep God's law perfectly, which would be what is required, um, uh, to have righteousness for God, we'd have to keep it perfectly. But simply outwardly, outwardly, externally, being a Jew or a Jewish Christian or a Christian, that, that was never enough. Our own good works or our own playing at religion. That was the mistake the Jewish people made. Many of them did not see the law as God's perfect standard of holiness meant to bring them to their knees, but they started pretending as if, yeah, we can keep it, and they got, remember, the whole scale. If my good works outweigh my bad works, then I'll be counted righteous before God. Some of them did that, but they were simply, a lot of them, just self-righteous about their identity as Jews. They were God's chosen people, after all. And, and had the sign and symbol of the covenant in their bodies, well, at least the men did. Circumcision, the dietary codes, the purification rites, the thing that made them basically Jewish became their source of hope and boast. Basically, they found their identity in things that separated them or even isolated them out of Gentiles, and not God and his mercy and grace. Moses warned them. When he gave them the law, he warned them, don't, this is not about external things. Circumcision is an external sign of an inward calling of God on your life. Clear back in Deuteronomy 10. Behold, to the Lord your God. And I want you to notice the focus on God and who he is and not on externals. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the, and the, and the heavens of heaven and the earth and all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your forefathers and chose their offspring after them. You above all people as you are this day. That's grace. That's grace. So he said, because of this grace and because of who God is, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. It's not external. It's a heart thing. Right? Be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes 
justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner. These are, Mo Moses is hinting at the precepts of the law, the heart. What it's really about is not externals, but God executing justice for the fatherless and the widows. He loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. And by his name, not in the name of your Jewishness, shall you swear, by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things. So Moses, just after revealing God's written law to them, says, but it's not a matter of keeping this external thing. It's a matter of your heart being changed by God. Basically, though, they continued to want to find their identity in the things that made them different from Gentiles. He's pleading with the people to trust God's grace and to practice the true precepts of the law. But time and time and time again, they spiraled into, into externalism and, 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 and hypocrisy and attempting to establish their own righteousness until God used other nations to carry him off into exile. But Moses prophesied, even after the exile, that there would be a time where God himself would circumcise their hearts in Deuteronomy 36. After, the, after he brings you back from the nations to which he has scattered you, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and, and, and that you may live. That would happen with the new covenant established by their Messiah, Jesus, and his finished work. But even many Jewish followers of Christ, after the Lord has circumcised their heart and, and caused them to love the Lord their God with all, many Jewish Christians, followers of Christ, still wanted to boast in the ways they were different from the Gentiles. And, and that's why Paul is writing this section of Romans that he is. You're still boasting in it. You've come to Christ and you're still boasting in the externals of your religion which is how he dealt so harshly in Galatians. For in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. And he says, I, I, I tell you, um, live by the Spirit. I don't have this one up there, but live by the Spirit, and you will not ratify the desires of the flesh. Faith working through love, living by the Spirit, who works the fruit of true holiness in us, that is the obedience of faith that Paul is talking about, not religious externals. But see, that the Jewish Christians still wanted to boast in their identity as Jews, but Gentile Christians do the same thing. We talked about it. And back then, they were the ones saying, well, I'm free from the law, and you Jews, you've got all those hang-ups. But we all do the same thing. We fall into the same pattern. Us Gentile Christians today, in 2022, we, we take pride in our identity as Christians. Uh, a funny illustration of that, and she was being funny, so she wasn't serious, but I was having tea with an English woman over in, on the West Bank in, uh, where I grew up, and she, we were drinking our tea, and she put cream 
in her tea. And she said, we put tea, uh, cream in our tea because we are Christian. <laughs> it was a joke, but that's kind of how the Christian world came to view themselves. We are Christian, you know. So we, wanna, we do the same thing. Our identity should come from Christ and who we are, whose we are in him, but not in the external things that separate us or even isolate us from non-Christians in society. I'm baptized. I go to church. I know the catechism. I give my tithe. I don't drink, smoke, chew, or go with the girls that do. Surely that all counts for something. I sing with the choir and attend prayer meetings on Wednesday night and wear the right clothes to church and don't have any tattoos and piercings, as if tattoos and piercings <laughs> were the standard of God's holiness. We look for things to judge each other. But do we love each other? We, we take pride in all this external stuff that how Christians are supposed to be, but do we love each other? Do we love strangers? Do we have racial and, and ethnic prejudice or, or even hatred? These are really personal questions. You have to answer for yourself. Do I really care about the poor? Do I have arrogance and pride towards non-Christians? Do I covet other people's possessions and harbor bitterness and envy in my heart? Do I actually practice the precepts of the law? through the Spirit's work in my life. We might not be boasting in our circumcision, but we've replaced it with other things, like the Jewish people. Are we any better? Have we replaced circumcision with a whole lot of external religious practices instead of pursuing the justice, mercy, and walking humbly with our God, which are the precepts that are at the heart of the law? Are we pursuing the righteousness that is counted ours because of Jesus? We are counted righteous and holy and blameless in his sight because of Jesus. Are we pursuing that practically? Funny thing is, a lot of people try to pit James and Paul against each other. And they say, you know, Paul's the grace guy, and James was more of a legalist, and, and he believed in salvation by works. Well, neither one of them believed in salvation by works. But you, what we're reading this morning shows that Paul was in total agreement with James. He says, it's not hearers of the law who will be righteous before God, but doers of the law who will be justified. Well, who are those doers of the law? Paul's simply writing that the proof is in the pudding. Keeping the precepts of the law proves that we have been justified by faith. Keeping the precepts, the heart of the law, pursuing that, the heart of the law proves that we're allowing the Spirit to work obedience in us to God's law, which is written on our hearts. But again, that obedience is not simply a matter of religious externals. It's a matter of hearts changed to love and value what God loves. I mean, look at how James put it. What good is it, my brothers, and, and especially pay attention to the illustration that he gives. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith and does not have works? Can that faith save him? If 
a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and well-fed, without giving them the things that are needed for this body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. I will show you my faith by my works, practicing what I preach. And James is in, but did you see the example that he gave? That wasn't an external religious example, was it? Right? You say, show me your faith by your works. Um, let me go back there. Can such a faith, you say you go to church and you're baptized and, you, and, and all that, right? Can that kind of religious externals, faith kind of save you? No, it's, the example he gives is at the heart of the precepts of the law. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Not religious externals. Doesn't, that, that, that James there sounds an awful lot like this, what Paul just wrote. No one who is a Jew is merely one outwardly, or circumcision uh, outward and physical. A Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not the letter. You could almost substitute in there the, the um, words Christian and baptism and stuff. Um, uh, for no one is a Christian who is merely one outwardly, nor is baptism outward and physical. Of course, water baptism is an external sign of an inward reality. But a Christian, a true follower of Jesus, is one inwardly. And baptism is a matter of the heart by the spirit, not by the letter. That person's worthiness comes from God and, and not human acceptance. His praise is from God, not man. Practicing what we preach. We claim this is the word of God, God's holy standard, but are we pursuing it or are we just playing at the externals of religion? Are we pursuing justice, love, mercy, and walking humbly with our God? So what? It's a matter of the heart. It really is a matter of a heart. Um, it's not a matter of externals. It's a matter of allowing a heart regenerated and justified by faith is a heart that is being sanctified by the Spirit. He is leading us to practice what we preach. The Spirit is leading us to keep the precepts of God's law that we not only read, but have written in our hearts. The Spirit is leading us to keep the very law of God that he has written on our hearts when he circumcised our hearts in the new covenant. But true obedience, the obedience of faith, you're going to come across that phrase time and time again in Romans. The obedience of faith is not just keeping the external. It's practicing what we preach. It's being devoted to real good works and the kind of doing what the law says, that kind of doing what the law says is all of grace. The same, are we involved in it? Absolutely. Do I pursue the obedience of faith? Absolutely. But the power is from the Spirit. Our sanctification is as much of grace as our justification. It, it, I mean, the same Paul wrote what we read a couple weeks ago. When the goodness 
and kindness, loving kindness of God our Savior, appeared he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. None. But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. And I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to practice what they preach. Let's pray. Father.